This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. I had intended on Mount Moriah being just one or two lessons, but this is the actual fourth lesson on it. Because so many things happened on it, and I've entitled the lesson today, Then and Now. So a little brief overview of what I've put together for this morning, of what we have covered so far. Everything I've covered has been, you know yourself, a, a, a whole lesson into it. But the first thing is God chose Mount Moriah. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 22 real quick. I don't mean real quick. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 22, and I'll give you scripture to show you where I'm at. And we'll go through quite a few scriptures this morning. And uh, where we'll hopefully end up today is when Jesus Christ himself reigns on the throne of David in Moriah, in that third temple. But Genesis chapter 22 Okay, when Abraham was told by God, God was establishing the covenant through his seed. And he said, take your son, your only son, and go up to a place where I'm going to choose. Let's read it. 22, verse 1. And I'm not going to get into the whole story of Isaac and uh, Abraham right now. This is just a couple of verses I'm going to cover. And it came to pass... After these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now that does, God can't tempt any man. This is testing. God says, okay, I know what you're going to do. But you don't know what you're going to do. You need to prove me to yourself. Because there's going to be a whole lot. This will be the toughest challenge that you'll face in your life. You get through this, there's nothing you can't get through. This is my uh, hypothetical reasoning about God knows everything. He is not saying, I'm going to tempt him. He is going to fall. I know it, that's not what this means. It means test. Did tempt, test Abraham and said in him, and Abraham said in him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take now thy son and only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him up there a burnt offering Upon one of the mountains, which I tell thee of. So God, right off the bat, chose Moriah as the place where this sacrificial uh, offering of Isaac was going to be. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clay wood with a burnt offering, rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Abraham didn't just say... He's thinking all of a sudden, why are you going to want me to kill my son? You've just told me that you're going to multiply my seed. Okay, and Abraham said unto them, let's see, wait a minute. Then on the third day, verse 4, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, you abide here with the ass, and I and the young lad will go up and worship and come again unto you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon his sides of his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife and they both, they went both of them together. This is a real important part of the scripture here. And then I'll skip to the next thing on Moriah. But, well, I'll come back to that. 
Okay, and I was expecting Abraham, my father. He said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And when Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. I'm sure at that point, Isaac was no stupid person. Abraham had to sit him down and say, son, this is what God told me to do. And as hard as it is, as painful as it is, I'm sure there was tears. I'm sure there was heartache. Isaac doesn't say, Isaac jumped up and down. No, I'm not going to die. Don't kill me. No, it says he laid him up there and he willfully gave us, was say, if that's what God told you, that's what's going to happen. Let's trust God. You, you, you're my father. I trust you. I trust you, father. And this has got a lot to do with how we trust God as our father as well. But I'm, that's, that's the story there. And, and so that was on Mount Moriah. Okay. Mount Moriah. Let's, uh, That's my Bible falling apart. I want to cover a couple of little things about it. Mount Moriah itself, the mountain is a mountain range and a mountain region covering 45 acres. The mount itself is that the Mount Moriah is consistent of several uh, areas there. But Mount Moriah itself is where the, the, the mountain peak there, it's not actually a peak. And we'll, we'll show you that here in, in just a minute. It's a prof- profoundly sacred to Christians and to Muslims and to Jews. It's va- it, 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 they said that this is the most valued piece of real estate on the planet Earth. That there's none other like it. Right now, the Muslim dome sits on it. And uh, we'll get to that here in just a minute. But I'm going to cover that. But anyway, that's the first place. God chose Moriah. Now what God did the second time, He chose Moriah. Here we go. <laughs> Alright, let's go to, alright, when, when, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 24. We'll skip around a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter 24. Briefly, David, King David had been anointed king and they had had that Ark of Covenant and they were going battle after battle after battle after battle and the power of God just annihilated all of their enemies. Well, Satan provoked the crowd to provoke David to number the Israelites. Okay, once he numbered them, God had told him, you don't need that because then you're going to bring fear into the camp. You're going to bring all these people are going to be looking at, oh, we can't take them. They're looking at numbers. They're looking at physical, what they can see instead of relying on the supernatural power of God and saying, God said he's going to beat them. Let's go. Now that they, David had numbered them, fear came into the camp, and that was a great sin because now, even in our own lives now, God does not want us looking at what we see. That's not faith. Faith is believing what isn't as if it were. Faith is, is, is trusting God. Hey, I know this looks bad, God, but it's in your hands. So, so David numbered and that became a great sin in the eyes of God. And then David's heart pricked him. So in chapter, let's go, uh, chapter 24 of second Samuel. I'm going to cover a couple of little spots here. This happened on Mount Moriah and I'll show you. 
Oh, shoot. I got a map. I'm on chapter 3. Hold on. I've got to go back a few pages. Chapter 24. So after he had uh, sinned that sin by numbering his troops, Chapter 24, verse 18. I'm going to back up a little bit here in a second. I've got so many scriptures. Okay, David had numbered them. Okay, after he did that, verse 10 of chapter 24, and David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people. And that's how what happens when we sin against God, when we know we do something wrong, we know it. Our heart, the Holy Spirit, should convict us immediately. We should say, oh no, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I... And, and, and then we confess it and we put it under the blood. This is what hap- what's happening with David. And so David, God was furious. He was angry. For David went up in the morning. Let's see, let's see. Verse, let's go back to 10. David's heart smote him that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in, not in this that I have done. Now I beseech thee, Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done foolishly. He gave him three choices. Famine, running for it, from his enemies for... Uh, let's see. Verse 13. See, Gad, it says, Gad was David's prophet, David's seer. A seer is a prophet in the old time. Gad was David's seer. God spoke through Gad to David. God used Gad as the go-to to David. And so it was, it was as if... God was speaking to him himself. And David knew that. That was the supernatural thing. So verse 13. So Gad came to David and told him, said unto them, Shalt thou seven years of famine come unto thy land, or wilt thou flee for three months to thy enemies while they pursue, or will there be three days of pestilence in thy land? David chose the pestilence. The long story short, because I don't want to get into that because it will lead me to teaching again on that. He chose the pestilence because he said, I would rather fall into the hands of God than in the hands of men. So here he was. The angel of the Lord came down and was smiting the Israelites, 70,000 of them. And then God said, hey, that's enough. Verse 16, an angel stretched out his hand to Jerusalem to destroy it. Then the Lord repented of the evil. That doesn't mean he, the Lord did anything wrong. What he did, he said, okay, that's enough. Yes, that's enough. It is enough, saying that and the angel of the Lord was was by the threshing by the threshing place of Arana. Now the threshing place of Arana was dead center of Mount Moriah, the exact place where Abraham had offered Isaac up, the threshing floor. And we're going to get into that. And David spake unto the Lord and saw the angel and lo smote the people, and he, he said, Lo, I have sinned and done wickedly, but what did these sheep what what these sheep, what have they done? Let the hand pray thee against, let thine hand, I pray thee, against me and against my father's house. And Gad, the prophet, the seer, came that day to David and said unto them, Go rear up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Orana, the Jebusite. Now what had happened earlier is that is with the Ark of the Covenant, they just wiped out the Jebusites, and this was one of the last ones standing. And how Arana, which is Ornan, Arana is his surname per se. It was not his Hebrew name. His Hebrew name was Ornan. And uh, I'll, I'm, I'm hidden that way. 
but the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And David did according to saying that went up of Gad went up as the Lord had commanded. And Arana looked and saw the king of his and his servants coming and toward him. And Arana went out and bowed himself before the king and upon on his face upon the ground. And Arana said, Wherefore is my lord the king? Why is the king coming here? He was petrified because he knew that 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 King David had the power to just destroy him. But Arana owned the threshing floor. And David said, To bind the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that a plague might be stayed from the people. And Arana said, David, let the... Anyway, I don't want to read all that because it will develop into something else. So the king wanted to give it to him. And David said, no, I want to pay full price. It's my sin. I don't want nobody giving me anything that don't cost me. and I don't want anything that doesn't cost me. So he reared up an altar and offered a burnt sacrifice in the threshing floor. Now the threshing floor, this this particular threshing floor is a hundred square square foot circle. I don't say square foot, a hundred width. It's a circle of a hundred foot. The threshing floor was a place where all through the scripture, and I'm going to cover some of those threshing floors, where the good is separated from the bad, always. They would take the grain and they would pile it in, whether it's corn, whether it's wheat or whatever, and they would, they would, they would yoke up the oxen with these staves and they, these, the pricks and they would prick the oxen and the oxen would just trample the wheat or the corn. And they would have these people that would take these forks and just throw the shaft up in the air and the wind, since it was on a mountain, would carry all the bad and all the straw and all the shaft out and all the rain would fall to the bottom. And this boils down to, because as the oxen would tread it out, they would eat some of the grain. They would eat some of the corn while they were treading. And that's, if you look, hypothetically, you could look at, this is what the old New Testament is saying, don't tread, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox while he's treading out the corn. Because he's going to get irony. He's going to, he's, he's, you, you're not going to be able to control him even with the pricks. So anyway, after that was done, then the people would come in there and finish, finish separating. And the threshing floor is always a symbol of separation. Separation to, to, to keep the good and to throw away the bad. And so, let's see. Let me get up here. Okay, back up a little bit further. Let's go back to verse 23. I did want to, to, to throw this in here because a lot of times we want to keep ourselves on the spiritual track to where we're going to do the right thing no matter what anybody else does. And, and, and this is, this brings it home to me. These are the last words of David that I'm going to share with us right now and then we'll jump back into the lesson. Okay. Verse 20, chapter 23, verse 1. These be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, the man who was raised up on high, anointed of God, of Jacob, of sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And there shall be as, as a light of the morning when the sun riseth even morning with the clouds, as tender grass springeth out of the earth and clear shining after. Although my house be not with God, this is your personal life. 
Hey, it don't matter. If everybody in your house goes against God's word, go, hey, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. Pastor said that the other night in teaching. Me, my life's verses, Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I don't, I don't care who in my household does not want to serve. I don't, I wish somebody was here. I don't care if you decide to turn your back on the preacher or not. As for me, I'm sticking to the stuff. I'm sticking to it. And it says, although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made me an everlasting covenant. He's talking, David's saying, hey, God made the covenant with me, the Davidic covenant. There's eight great covenants, which which we've covered a few of them already. The Edenic, the Adamic, the Noatic, the Abrahamic, Abrahamic. Okay, then the Mosaic, the Palestinian, and here we're entering into right now the Davidic covenant, which ushers in the new covenant further. Anyway, I'm not going to talk on the covenants now, but there's eight great ones. The other ones have made covenants with God, but God has made these covenants with man. And God, okay, God chose Mount Moriah. Let's go to, uh, okay, that's the second thing that's happened on Moriah. How do I know it's Moriah? How do I know that that's where, let's go to Second uh, Chronicles real quick. And here we're going to start get right to our lesson. I'm throwing everything out here. I get excited the closer I get to what I really want to say. <laughs> this is covering what's happened on Mount Moriah so far. Leading up to forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The throne of David. Alright. Second Chronicles chapter 3. David wanted to build a temple. Wanted to build a house for the Lord. God said, you're a man of war. I'll give you the dimensions. I'll tell you what the order of service. I'll tell you everything about it, but you can't build it. Your son will build it. Okay, and I'm going to backtrack to that here. Hopefully I'll get to it. I've got seven pages here, but I might not get to that. Okay, chapter 3, verse 1 of Second Chronicles. This is the first temple. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. Specifically, where the Lord appeared unto David, his father, in the place that David had prepared the threshing floor of Ornan to Jebusite. See, earlier it was Arana. It's the same man. Arana is his, it's not his Hebrew's name, it's his surname. Like Simon Peter. And, or, anyway, that was his titled name. His, his Hebrew name was Ornan, although he was a Jebusite. That's what they named him. Ornan the Jebusite. And he began to build, I don't need to cover when they build, because then I'll get into the, to talk, talk about the temple. But that's where it is. The first temple was built where the threshing floor was, where Abraham had offered Isaac, and David had offered, reared up an altar unto the Lord. Now Solomon is building the temple. The first temple was built there, and then I've got these all all out of place here. Just hang on with me, because I've got a... Okay, that's the site of the first temple. Okay, we'll cover that here. I'll get to that in a minute. 
Hang on just a second. I've lost my notes on that. I haven't lost them. They're here. Anyway, that temple... Uh, I'm trying to find the dates here because I got them. I got the dates. Hang on, guys. Anyway, from uh, from Abraham to this temple... I don't know why I can't find it. I really don't. Just be bear with me. I, I know what's on here. Anyway, the first temple. Okay, here we go. I just had, I ran out of ink writing my notes, and so I got a different color ink, so there's what threw me off. Okay. 400 years after that temple was built, it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. <coughs> and, uh, <coughs> the second temple <coughs> was built 70 years later and destroyed once again. I'm not going to get into the, all the history on it. I'm trying to find that name. Nazalon, I forget his real name, and it was destroyed again 70 years later. And now we are, we are awaiting right now, the now, that was then, now, the rebuilding of the new temple. And it's going to be built right there, in that area. I'm not going to say it's okay, it's going to be in this five by five square, but the third temple will be built there, and, uh, I want to show you the scripture for that. Because the, the throne of David, I, I, it was fascinating me. I got, I was telling my wife this morning, she just went to Ireland two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I didn't know this. The actual throne of David, I didn't know this, at some point in time was sent to Ireland. And from Ireland, it went to Scotland. And from Scotland, it went back to England. And they're trying to hem and haw about the actual where the throne is now. But we do know that it will end up back in Jerusalem. But you can Google that and find out some history on the actual. Because I, I said, well, where is the throne? Is it a kingdom? Is it an actual throne? Is it, but the actual throne that David ruled on was was moved to Scotland. I mean, to Ireland, then Scotland, back to England, and then where it's at right now. I didn't get that far in my study this morning. So I might have that for you next week. No, the next time I teach. Okay, let me cover this here. I didn't have these in order. I, uh, like I thought I did. The, the bottom line about Moriah and this mountain, ah, oh, here, here's what I want, is that God chose it. God chose to work in, in mountains all through the Bible, but why Moriah? And uh, anyway, he, he's got a history of his miracles going there. Okay, let's go to... Uh, Genesis chapter 23 real quick, and this will lead us right on up to where something really cool. Genesis chapter 23. We're going to backtrack from David and back into the Abraham's site because we're, uh, we're in the New Covenant now, the New Testament. Genesis chapter 23. I should have been a little bit more organized this morning, but hey. Okay. Here we are. Verse 23, verse 1. And Sarah was 107, 
127, 107 and 20 years old. These are the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiljoth Arba. The same is Hebron in the land of Canaan. Abraham came for Sarah to weep for her. Abraham stood up from before his, de- her, his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I'm a stranger, I'm a sojourner. With you, give me possession of a burying place that you and I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear this, my Lord, thou art a mighty prince among us in the choice of thy sepulchres. Bury thy dead. None of us withhold thee his sepulchre that thou mayest bury the dead. Okay, verse 9. And that he may give the cave of Machpelah, which he hath is in the end of his field for as much money as it was worth, and give it for a possession of a burying place. I'm, I'm covering Mount Pila now, Mark Pila, because this is where Abraham's bones were taken, and now we're heading to Jacob. On this, uh, okay, the burial. Let's go to. Uh, I'm trying to. No, I had the scripture written down. Okay. Okay. Now let's go to a. Genesis 25. We're heading back to Moriah, I promise you. Verse 7, 25. These are the days of Abraham, years of Abraham, of the life of 103 score, 15 years. Abraham gave up a ghost that had died in a good old age, old man, full of years, and was gathered into his people. And to his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. He was buried with his wife right there. I thought it was interesting as I'm not going to get into it to Ishmael, but Ishmael showed up. Ishmael and Abraham, I mean Ishmael and Isaac showed up to bury their father. They covered the generations of Ishmael. Okay, then the generations, okay. I'm trying to find the threshing floor here. Okay, here we go. I'm trying to find the scriptures. I've got the scriptures written down. I've got errors been pointing down. Anyway, when Jacob died, they came to the threshing floor of Atad. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 50. There it is. Here we go. I don't see how you do it, preacher. Keep up with all your, especially on Wednesday nights. That's just, Okay. Joseph, okay. Joseph, uh, let's go to chapter 50, verse 1. We'll read a few verses here. And Joseph fell upon, fell upon his father's face and wept for him. And Joseph commanded his servants and physicians to embalm their father. The physicians that Jacob just died. Forty days were fulfilled unto him and for, so and so are fulfilled the days of those which were embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned for him three score and ten days. When the days of his mourning passed, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you in your ears, of Pharaoh, saying, See, we all know the story of Joseph. I'm not going to get tied up into that. 
My father made a swear saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. Don't let me be buried in Egypt. Don't let me sit here and be buried in Egypt. I want to go to Canaan. This is before he died. This is saying, look, son, look, Joseph, I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. I want to, I want you to take me to Canaan. I want to see the holy land. I want the promised land. And Joseph went to bury his father and went up into all the services in verse 7 of Pharaoh, the elders of the house, all the elders of Egypt and all the house of Joseph and his brethren and the father's house, only of the little ones and their flocks and their herds, they left at Goshen. And there went up him from both chariots and horsemen and a very great company, and they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which was beyond Jordan. Okay, what he's, what basically done, that is a picture of the new church, the new covenant being ushered in because you're coming out of the old, which is the Egyptian bondage, out of the old, which was the old Egyptian, into Canaan. So, so they came into the threshing floor and, and forwarded their life into, okay, now we're seeking truth. Now we're going into the promised land. Now we're going, now we're heading in which was beyond Jordan. They came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. And there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. He made mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land of Canaanites saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, that's the threshing floor, they said, this is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel Mizram, which is beyond, beyond Jordan. Okay. The main thing I wanted to show there is for his sons carried him into the land of Canaan. They had and buried him in the cave, in the field, with his father and with his mother, Abraham and Sarah. Machpelah, who was bought from, from the field for his possession of a burying place in Ephraim, the Hittite. I know this is an exciting history, but we are leading right into... It was more exciting the first two or three that we taught, but now we're heading into where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is going to reign. Okay, now if I can find that, we're going to show you the scriptures that backs all of that up. I want to, if I can find it, there's the death and burial of Jacob's Mepila. Hang on. Okay, right now. This should finish us up on Moriah. And uh, we're now awaiting the third temple construction. It will be right there where the threshing floor is on and owned and sold David. You had Abraham and Isaac. Abraham offered Isaac. You had uh, David buying the threshing floor on Moriah, the exact same place. He had the first temple built. We already saw that. That was destroyed. The second built, the second temple was built exactly right there, and that was destroyed. Now we're waiting right now the building of the third temple. That could, we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know when that construction of that's going to be. Right now there's a dome of the rock there, but Moriah is a 45-acre region. We don't know exactly, but we do know this. That, that, that this Bible tells us that Jesus Christ will reign on the throne of his father David forever and forever and forever. So let's go to first, second Samuel. We'll show you a couple of verses here and then I'm going to have to stop. Second Samuel chapter seven. Verse 
Second Samuel chapter 7. I've got two, two scriptures and then we're going to close it out. Okay, so let's see where I'm at here, 7. 1 through 8. And it came to pass, verse 1, chapter 7, and it came to pass when the king sat at his house and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of the co- God, the ark of the covenant, dwelleth with curtains. See, I'm not going to finish. The, the, the tabernacle, when, when, when David desired that that tabernacle no, be no more, the Ark of the Covenant, they would carry it around, destroying all their enemies in the Ark of the Covenant. If any man touched it, they died. And David said, look, the Ark needs a rest. I need to build a home where we can set that Ark of the Covenant up on that mercy seat right there. God give me, and, and the Lord said, no, you can't build it, but that's a good thing. We're going to build it. And he allowed Solomon to build it. But David said, look, we don't want it. Before they would take the, take it around, and when God said, "Okay, all of their feast days, all of their times that you know Passover, all of these different feasts, feasts that they had," God would say, "Okay, tomorrow's Passover. Erect the tabernacle." They would set the tabernacle up. The ark would be there, and they would sacrifice. And so they wandered and wandered and wandered, and everywhere God said, "Okay, this is where the tabernacle is going to be." Erect it up, and they would worship there. David wanted a permanent temple. David wanted a permanent house for God. Quit all this wandering. We're now in Canaan. Let's build a temple. So Solomon actually built the temple. But here, that's that's a long story short, right there. Okay, verse. Uh, Four. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelled in any house since the time that I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, even unto this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. The Lord saying, You know, I agree with you. It's time. You can't build it, though. But this is how you're going to build it. You pass this blueprints down to your son, and then we go from there. And I'm going to have to finish here let's see let me see let me find it okay verse 16 i'm gonna have to skip over a few verses and thine house shall be and this is this is god talking to david now and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee thy throne shall be established forever okay let's go to uh i'm gonna have to finish with this i'm not i'm gonna Let's go two verses. Psalms 89, real quick. Real quick, I promise you, and I'm, I'm, I'll develop this a little bit more with a little bit next time. Psalms 89, I got two more verses. Two more verses, that's it. Okay, Psalms 89, one more here. Psalms 89, verse 34. My covenant will I not break, nor after the thing that has gone out from my lips. See, so God can't break the covenant. It has to be in Moriah. It's going to be there. That third temple is going to be right there. It's the Davidic covenant. It's the leading us into the new covenant when, when Christ came. But that, that covenant is sealed inside. The throne of David is going, God's going to send Jesus. He's going to sit down. He's going to come back in this revelation and he will reign on the throne of David. How, all right, let's look at this. Luke, Luke 1, and when I'm done, I'm going to have to finish. I'm trying to go 90 miles an hour nowhere. 
I don't mean nowhere, nowhere. I mean, I'm not going to finish. I don't want it to finish. Luke chapter 1. Okay, Luke chapter 1, verse 32. And I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to have to. I don't want to, but I am. Okay. Verse 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. This is the angel talking to Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. Let's see, verse 31. And thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, thou shall be no end. And I'm going to have to end with that. Because if I don't, I got a whole lot more to, that's not going to be explained. But that's the new Moriah. That's the new temple. That's the third temple. So we covered Abraham Isaac over the last month, two months. The threshing floor of David, where he purchased on Mount Moriah, where the altar was reared after he'd sinned and numbered the tribes. Okay, you got Abraham that offered Isaac, the threshing floor right there, that was built right there where Abraham had offered Isaac. Then you had to, uh, on that threshing floor, you had the first temple built. We saw that, Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. That was destroyed. The second temple was built there. That was destroyed. Now we are waiting the third temple. But Moriah, then, and now. Right now we're waiting for that third temple to be built on the threshing floor in Mount Moriah where Isaac was offered up, where the threshing floor was purchased and the good separated from the bad, where the altar was reared, where the first temple, second temple, the pattern is not going to change. And then we just read in Luke, he will reign on that throne forever and forever and forever and forever. You know, we're going to get into that as we get... Closer. You know why? I'm not going to. People don't understand a lot of times the millennium. Okay, just think about this hundred. Suppose we lived 150 years. The millennium is a thousand years. Then Satan's loosed for a little season. We don't know how long. He's been loosed for a season already. Do you know that I got scripture to back this too? So I don't want to really get into it to develop it. Do you know how we live our lives as Christians here on this earth? That when Jesus Christ comes back and reigns on that throne, he says, we're going to govern this world for a thousand years. You're going to have a job. I'm going to have a job. You're going to have a job. You take a Christian that claims to be saved and they get by the skin of their teeth and they, and they, they raise hell their whole life. They're going to be slopping hogs. You know what I mean? You're going to do, brother? We're going to be in charge of the hog sloppers. Because I'm not giving up, folks. We've come too far to turn it back. Hey, plug into this stuff, man. God, God's word says he's going to reward us for how we live in this life then. I'm not talking about eternity when the new heaven. I'm talking about a thousand years and then Satan's loose. We're going to be doing something. I don't want slop hogs. I've had enough of that. <laughs> you listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.